Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. One of the things that fascinates me is how companies and their CEOs can build a great growing business in a market that's really crowded with other people. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today with our guests from Onward Reserve. We have their CEO, TJ Calloway, and his creative director, Virginia Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Good morning. Good morning. So, TJ, tell us a little bit about Onward Reserve. You're in specialty retail, but tell us about your stores, what you sell, and what makes Onward Reserve special. So we started as a as an independent specialty retailer in Athens, Georgia, uh, about five years ago, selling, you know, men's core apparel products, and then we surrounded that with um, more of a gifts and accessories business than you would see in most menswear stores. Um, core apparel being, for those of us who don't know the lingo, just men's clothing. I mean, shirts, pants, hats, okay. all this good stuff. Um, primarily in sportswear, so casual. We don't sell mm. suits. Uh, we sell some sport coats and ties, but um, you know, primarily stuff you'd wear on the weekend. In the current world we live in, what a lot of people are wearing every day, what mm-hmm. used to be Casual Friday, um, is is kind of what everybody wears all the time now. So that that's what we're talking about. Great. And how many stores do you have now? We have eight stores. We just opened in Nashville uh, about two or three weeks ago. Mm. And so, as I mentioned at the open, this this fascinates me, right? So, I mean, people can get men's shirts and pants in a lot of places, and sports coats in a lot of places. I would love for you to tell us the story of how you were able to build a company that now has eight stores, right, in a market that's incredibly crowded. That's true. And it's all about uh, different ways that we've differentiated ourselves from the rest of the world. And then we've also benefited from just some major shifts in the way that menswear is worn these days and a major way that it's shopped for. Mm -hmm. Um, The major way it's worn that we've already touched on is that people aren't wearing a suit every day. Uh, Most people, you know, unless you work in in D.C. or or maybe a lawyer or whatever. So we've benefited from that. The other thing we've benefited from is in our space, a lot of women are doing the shopping for their household. So you've got a mom that's buying for their teenage boys and their college boys, and their husband just ends up kind of wearing whatever the kids are wearing. So you've got this big shift of of women shopping for men. Um, and one of the things we did early on was make our stores a little more friendly for a female shopper than the traditional kind of stuffy specialty men's shop. Um, and that benefited us greatly. But ultimately, it all just comes down to quality and customer service. Um, we're certainly not the you know, the cheapest game in town, but we're not trying to be. We're trying to be the best. Um, and, you know, so far, so good, I guess. Yeah, so let's tease out this... this um this differentiation thing, because a lot of times when I work with my clients, I'll, you know, we'll try to work on their competitive advantage as a part of their strategic planning um, effort. And there's this thing that's very hard for most CEOs to articulate about why people will pay more. You know, what I don't know what what the the, uh, premium is. Maybe it's 20% or 30% or whatever. Why will they pay more for your product? Why will they go to your product versus in any of the other hundred places they can get the same thing? 
um, and really pinpoint, you know, the, the economics and the real um, kind of almost quantify what that difference is. So I would love, love it if you would take a stab because obviously you've located it because it's you're growing, growing very quickly. It's an emotional connection. I mean, it's if you walk into the store and you feel like you're a part of of on reserve and you you understand the lifestyle. Uh it's hard to art it's it's very, very hard to articulate. I, I get this often from people, but it's it's a feeling and I know it, but it's really hard to kind of it's it's hard to put into words. But um it's it's the feeling you get when you walk in the store, both um from the people that you talk to uh, and just the store experience, the ambiance. I think we do a fantastic job with the visual merchandising. Um, when you asked me to bring my most trusted advisor, um, you know, I brought my creative director. So that tells you something about the way that we think. I mean, merchandising and, and creative is is really the most important thing we have. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest issue and, and the biggest challenge for us is how how can you grow but still maintain that very high level of customer service and very high touch point? And that's why most people in specialty retail have one shop and they do a great job because the owner of the store knows all the customers. Um, And that's what justifies that price point. Uh, We've so far been able to maintain a high level of customer service um, across a store footprint of eight now, and we're planning on opening at least one more this year. But we're being really careful to make sure that we don't outgrow that, you know, that level of service that makes us special and makes us, you know, able to to drive that emotional connection with our consumers. Mm. And and Virginia, I would love for you to weigh in here on on creating that feeling. Because uh, before when we were preparing for the show, TJ, one of the things that you mentioned is that you've you built this brand and you built this lifestyle. And I think about, you know, very topical, the incident with United, right? Lots of feelings, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> Lots of feelings, you know, come up around that. And so, like, like, what is it that you're doing to the extent that you can explain you know, to create that, that feeling, that it factor, that people just walk in and they're like, they get it? Yeah, I think it all started with our first store in Athens, maybe four, almost five years ago. And I think TJ did a great job just right out of the gate setting the standard for what Onward Reserve is and what it looks like. And a lot of our customers, I think, have stayed with us for a while or for for years and years because they maybe experienced one of those first stores and they've watched us grow. So they feel invested and they want to, you know, continue to see us grow. And they know that the quality they're going to get is awesome, whether it's walking into a store, calling to order something from our catalog. We actually started the catalog three years ago. This will be our third spring. And I would put it up against any major company's catalog. I think it's beautiful, not just because I work on it. (laughs) I really do think so. And um, I mean, we're just, there are several of us that work on it and it's just better and better each time. And we're just always going back to, I think, that feeling of when we first opened the Athens store, kind of the feedback we were getting from customers, what people were saying, the look of it, it all kind of centers around that, around TJ's original vision. And I think when we keep that in mind, it, you know, we just have continued success. So TJ and, and Virginia, what is the feeling? 
you know, what, what, how would you describe the, the feeling that you, you're trying to evoke when people walk into your stores? I've used this word and I know it's not like the perfect <laughs> description, but it's just an emotional connection. I mean, you feel like you're a part of it and you, you look around the store and it reminds you of, you know, the things that you did when you were a kid and that, the, you know, the lifestyle that you aspire to lead on the weekends and, you know, and, you know, you come in our bucket store and there's, um, giant Steve Penley paintings on the left-hand wall. So there's a lot of people that love his work. There's a lot of people that don't have a clue who he is, but the people that, that know him realize that, um, you know, it's, it's, he's become a pretty big deal. So it's, it's really cool to see that. And then you look on the other wall and there's, you know, there's a giant moose head that a friend of mine got in Alaska a few years ago. And then there's, um, three or four different impressive pieces from an African safari. So it might, you know, remind you of a safari that your grandfather went on back in the fifties or, you know, you wish that you one day could go on a safari. So it's, you know, it's, it's a very specific lifestyle. And I think we've done a good job of not trying to be everything to everybody. We've just, um, we've focused on the lifestyle. It's really me. Ultimately, like everything that I pick, everything that I decorate the stores with is, you know, do I think this is cool? Um, and hopefully there's enough people like me out there. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, a pretty simple way of describing it, but that ultimately is what it is. Um, and so then share with us how you transfer that feeling to the, you know, at least the eight people who are running those, those, those stores. Cause you're, like you said, you're not, you're not there. And most specialty retail retailers are not successful in doing that at scale. Uh, it's spending time with them and having, you know, having them here, stories of of you know how we got started and and hear stories of of what inspired different pieces i mean now we're coming out with a lot more specialty lifestyle pieces like this spring we released our first we've always had swimsuits and you know obvious things to wear to the beach and the lake which are you know part of our lifestyle but then this spring we released a fishing short and a fishing shirt and so getting a little more specific into the activities that someone, you know, an honor reserve guy would would presumably be interested in on the weekends. And in the fall, we've got a shooting shirt that we're releasing. Um, we had a beautiful shooting sweater last fall that'll carry over to this year. So introducing more specific, we do very well with our golf apparel. So, you know, starting to target specific activities and then talking to the store associates about those activities and, you know, and you've got to, ultimately, you've got to find people that are interested in that stuff. I mean, if you can't get excited about something that's in the store, how can you expect a customer to get excited when you're trying to tell them about it? Mm -hmm. So finding people that are passionate about our brand and that believe in our brand and that live our brand is is the way to do it. This is kind of funny, and I'll have to share this interview with, with this girl afterwards, but there was a drugstore in the tiny town in South Georgia that I grew up in. And their slogan that I heard a zillion times on the radio was big enough to serve you, small enough to know you. And I actually think about that fairly often because that's that's the intersection that we're trying to find. Like mm -hmm. how so we've got we've been fortunate to sort of get across the barrier to where we have, you know, a world class website because of Virginia, we have a world-class catalog. I mean, even when we were just a 
a, a $5 million business, we had a catalog that we would literally put up beside, you know, billion dollar retail companies. And ours was just as nice, if not better. Um, and that was a huge focus. So we've got that, we've got that scale and we can serve people just as well as these huge, you know, hundred million plus dollar retailers. But we still, I feel like have the, you know, the feeling that you can walk in a store and, and we know you matter, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, I want you to walk into a store and feel like you're in a special place and that those people really care about you and appreciate you. And so far, we've been able to sort of navigate that balance pretty well. And so for Virginia, as you're looking at then also making sure that the the brand is cohesive and, and that the, the image of the company is consistent across all the, the eight stores, how do you how do you go about making sure that, that that look remains cohesive across everything that you're doing. Something TJ alluded to a second ago, but um, we've recently, fairly recently adopted the, I don't know if you'd call it our slogan, live authentically, but that's kind of our, what everything goes back to now. Mm. So like I was saying in that first Athens store, there were photos of TJ and his friends playing golf at these, you know, locations that a lot of people aspire to go to, going on cool hunting trips. So these really cool situations that TJ actually was a part of. So it's all very authentic. He's from this really cool small town in South Georgia. And I don't want to say too much, but we were just there shooting our fall 2017 catalog. So we have these brand new for us pieces coming out for fall that we've never had before. And it all relates back to activities that he would have done growing up Mm. and that people that still live in his hometown do. So translating that um, into, you know, however many pieces we buy for these eight stores and our website can be tricky. I think it just is TJ staying actively involved, which he does, and telling the story clearly, which he does. And like he said, we just opened the Nashville store. And in the Nashville store, there are still those same photos from the Athens store when we first opened five years ago. So we can tell that new store manager and her employees the story. They see it every day. They can tell customers. So it's really cool and having visual reminders in every store of, you know, why the store looks the way it does and why we sell the clothing that we do, I think really helps with the overall experience. So I would love to... um... <clears throat> just explore, you know, specialty retail, right? So there's a there's a huge transition that's happening in the entire retail industry where, um, you know, most everything is going online and yet you're de- developing this physical presence. Were you in retail before? Explain to listeners how your philosophy and your approach to maintaining you know, this physical presence, which obviously is really important to your brand, um, yet dealing with the movement of retail online and like everything in the world that's happening there. Tackle the retail question first. I was, uh, I have zero retail experience. Uh, and we've talked a lot about how I think that's been an advantage for us um, because we came, there's so many changes going on in the industry and we came in um, with a fresh perspective right when a fresh perspective was what was needed. So that was not by design. That was total luck. Um, but I was a municipal bond originator. So I was an investment banker at SunTrust and, you know, could not be 
further from a you know retail branding marketing role. And that was a great experience, but it just I had an entrepreneurial and a creative itch that were not being scratched, as you can imagine, in that role. No experience there. So, well, that's the other thing. We started as an online retailer. Okay. So we, um, we've always had a very strong e-commerce business. Uh, the vision, frankly, from the beginning was that we would never have stores. We would be this, you know, lean specialty company that really we sold, and it's evolved more into our brand, but in the beginning, we sold primarily third-party brands. I mean, we were an independent retailer that sold most mostly third-party stuff. But most of these little brands that were sold in specialty stores, they didn't have very good websites if they had a website. And none of the retailers, like I said, it was usually mom and pops that just had one store. So none of the retailers had websites. Um, and I was a consumer in that space. Uh, so we launched honorreserve.com to be the online destination right. for all of these little brands. And then we realized, to your point, you can't get that emotional connection with someone as easily online. We opened, we were in Athens, uh, the space that we're still in in Athens came available randomly one day. Um, and I decided, you know, if we're ever going to try a store, this is, this is the store we should try. And it's in the best, I almost jokingly say it's, you know, it's in the middle of the best block and the best street and the best college town in the world. I mean, there's, <laughs> you can't visit Athens for a long weekend without passing by our store 10 times. So mm -hmm. just looking at that store as a marketing vehicle for the website was what we did initially. Um, and we opened and it, it was a, I mean, knock on wood, it's been a screaming success since day one. I mean, it was, um, it was big. And we realized that, you know, the store enabled us to tell the story better. Um, you know, when somebody comes to a website, they might click around for a few pages. They might stay for like a minute and a half, and that's considered a success. Um, well, if they come in the store, you know, you're touching on all five senses. They can smell it and touch it and taste it and talk to somebody. And they've already invested probably at least 10, 15 minutes <laughs> right. even getting right. there. Right. And you've created, an, an in, for a lot of people, I mean, if they had a great experience and the people they talked to were top-notch, then they've got a, a legitimate emotional connection to the brand now. And so if they're thinking about buying something online, they're probably going to come to us. I think the other thing that gets misconstrued in the, you know, in the coverage of everything that's going on online is, you know, Amazon taking over the world. And, you know, they're certainly doing a great job, but you know, e-commerce has gone from, let's say e-commerce is growing, don't quote me here because I don't know the exact number, but e-commerce is growing, you know, 100% a year or whatever, and that's great, Then that would be high. But it's grown from like 7% of the retail landscape to like 12. Mm -hmm. So it's not like it's gone from 50 to 80. Um, you could argue back when catalogs first came out, it was like, well, we never have to go to a store anymore. We can buy everything over the phone with this new catalog thing. It it just creates another touch point. And if I, you know, if you're a big box store like Best Buy or Walmart or whoever, and you're selling just commodities, I mean, you're selling electronics that, you know, price point is really the main thing. And if you're selling toilet paper and soap and toothpaste, I'd be kind of worried about that. I mean, we we get an Amazon box pretty much every day with yeah. all of that kind of day-to-day yeah. stuff. Um, but I'm not going to Amazon for someone to 
help me figure out what I should wear on Easter Sunday with this particular sport coat. You know, I mean, they don't have that specialty feel, and they certainly don't have that emotional connection factor. Mm -hmm. So we like, again, we, our vision was to be online and we learned through our own experience that the emotional connection with our consumers is the most important thing we've got. And you can't accomplish that. You, not to say you can't accomplish it online, but it's a lot easier to accomplish it in person by mm -hmm. sitting down and talking to somebody. Mm -hmm. All right. For listeners, we're talking to TJ Calloway and Virginia Johnson of Onward Reserve. With that said, you know, the typically I'll turn the conversation at this point to talking about people issues and how you lead. Um, because everybody I've spoken to says that it's their team and the people that, that work for them that make the company successful. And so um, let's go back to this feeling, right? Because I, I think that that's really important. And, and most people, if you boil it down to it, that's really what a brand kind of is. It's the emotions that get evoked when you relate to a company. So you have this really strong kind of image and, you know, vision of what that feeling is and how you want people to feel when they interact with, you know, either online or when they come to the store. And you talked about telling the story and having the story kind of give the coherence across the different parts of the company. So how does that translate into how you operate with people behind the curtain, right? So, you know, you have your in front of the curtain in the retail operation, and then there's how you lead. And how do you make sure that the that there is consistency with the same set of feelings that you're trying to evoke, you know, on the company side. I was going to say, I'll take a stab at this one first, being somebody that you've hired. <laughs> so I was fresh out of college looking for jobs in clothing. I wanted to work in women's clothing, not men's clothing. And I <laughs> did not want to be in Georgia. I wanted to be in New York only. <laughs> 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 I was looking for jobs and somehow... TJ got my resume. He was just starting onward. It was still an idea. He calls me out of the blue. I think we talked on the phone for close to two hours. And I remember hanging up and telling my parents, this guy just called me, is trying to start this website, wants to pay me to move to Athens. So and I'm from Gainesville, Georgia. So just an hour away where all, you know, my friends had just graduated from Georgia. No, new, like didn't know anybody there anymore. Wants to pay me hourly some not huge amount of money <laughs> to come for this website that he says is going to exist really soon. And I think I want to do it. They said, why? <laughs> and I said, if you had heard like the passion, this guy just, not recently, but had maybe a year earlier quit his job, was working on another project, had been wanting to start this website. It was somehow obvious to me that I needed to go and work for TJ, that this was going to be something I didn't really even at the time understand what. And I think that that is still, I think that's still the case with people that he hires that end up, you know, being great workers and becoming invested in Onward Reserve is that there's just something about it that you get kind of right off the bat. Again, maybe it's that feeling, but I think it's also the passion that TJ has for it, for Onward and it just, if you get it, then you want to be a part of it. And I think that's kind of how it is every day. It's hard a lot of the time because we're still small and we have growing pains. But I think everyone that is really, truly invested feels that way. And do you have like a system or a process for both identifying the, the kind of customer that you think is the right person 
that's going to resonate with the the brand and the lifestyle, and then also the right kinds of employees. Do you have a, anything systematic about that, or like how do you get people who are a fit, both on the customer side and on the employee side? I mean, on the customer side, we certainly are open to anyone becoming a part of our lifestyle and our brand. Um, but when we move into a new market, it's it's pretty easy to, you know, there's some, if we're in a college town, you reach out to the fraternity crowd and then you try to get plugged in with the university. And then, um, you know, out of town parents are, are a huge part of the business. The most frustrating thing, and it happens, and moms will know what I'm talking about right now, is you get this mom that's in from out of town, doesn't see her son very often, and she's like, let me buy you all this stuff. And the son's like, I don't need anything. And I'm like, shut up. <laughs> 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 but, um, so, you know, making connections with those parents. And that's another thing we've done well, is like high school boys don't want to shop. Like, I remember being in middle school and high school, like my mom brings me a bunch of stuff home and I have to try it on there. I don't even want to try it on at the house. And then she has to go return it. Well, at Honor Reserve, we've created this cool atmosphere where like these young guys actually want to come to the store. And so the moms are like, yes, jump in the car, let's go. And they can actually knock out some real shopping and it saves them a lot of time. So those are a few different like sort of obvious customers. Um, as far as on the employee side, it is, um, from my personal experience, and again, I, I had a wonderful experience um, at the bank, but I know what it's like to be in a role, especially towards the end, where I was not emotionally connected mm. with my role anymore. I guess passionate, I just wasn't. I mean, and I did a good, you know, I did a fine job and like whatever, but um, I didn't, I, I wasn't passionate about it towards Going the Going through the end. motions? Right, yeah. So, I really try to find people that are passionate about our business. And I have had um, horrendous experience with just <laughs> job posting where you put up, this is the job, these are the day-to-day tasks, you know, this is the pay, blah, blah, blah. Because then you end up with a bunch of people that have that have crafted this narrative about, well, I love to do that, 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 and that, and I'm, I, you know, I'm fine getting paid this. And you get, you know, how do you tell whether that's authentic or not? Again, this live authentically thing internally and externally has become sort of the, you know, ethos of our brand. But um, you end up with a bunch of just BS, you know, when you put out this job posting. I've hired, I've had tremendous success uh, meeting people that I can tell are passionate about the brand and they just want to work with us. Um, and we've hired them not even really knowing what they were going to do um, and just kind of let it all fall where it may. I mean, our um, there's a girl named Jean who does our visual merchandising. Uh, and we met with her a few times initially and then you know, could tell she was really talented and wanted to get her on our team. So we found her this role, like to run our affiliate program online, because that was kind of how I could justify her from a PL <laughs> perspective. And, you know, well, within. You still an investment banker, that's good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So within two months, she was doing all of our visual merchandising and all of our store design and all that kind of stuff. And, and she's great at it because she's passionate about it. Um, and if you, and this, again, back to the how big can we get without losing these special angles. Um, 
you know, it, you've got to make sure that everybody's in a role that they're passionate about. And if I can't spend time, you know, talking with everybody and getting to know what they're passionate about, it's hard, it's hard to find that, that balance. Um, I, as we've gotten bigger, I mean, the, the thing that frustrates the, me the most is there, there are people working in some of our stores that I don't know. Um, uh, and there's certainly people working in the stores that I don't know, you know, very well. And it's hard. It's hard to figure out what, you know, what makes people tick and what gets people excited and make sure that they're in the right role if you don't know them that well. So that's the challenge. But, you know, so far we've, we've done a good job finding good people. And we all work so hard. I mean, you can tell pretty quickly if somebody's not into it because um, mm-hmm. we all love what we do um, and kind of work too much for not enough money. <laughs> um, but but we love it. So it's fun. Great, great, great. One, la- one last question, I think. So you came from investment banking. You're now in this kind of, you know, creative, creative world where you're uh, crafting this experience for customers who are walking into your store and on your website. How how do you mar- marry that? Like, you know, so the dollars and cents have to add up. I have to justify, as you mentioned, this particular thing and this PL and, you know, what's the value of my brand? Do you have, uh, like, I'm, one, I'm wondering if there's a tension between, like, trying to be scientific about things that are not particularly scientific. It is a, daily and constant <laughs> battle of like an internal conflict for me. Like I'm a, I'm a crazy person <laughs> because I've got, um, I mean, I'm very passionate about the creative side and making sure everything's perfect, but that isn't always cheap. So I, I'm also <laughs> you know, fortunate to have had the experience that I've had. You know, I was a finance major at Georgia and then, you know, spent some time in investment banking and then, and then, since have got, you know, friends that are in private equity and all this type of stuff. So I understand the the business side and it is a a constant battle. And I think um, you know, when people see me just kind of like sitting in my office looking like I'm about to explode, it's usually because I'm trying to balance those two. Um, but the biggest compliment I think I've ever received in this industry was um I was walking into a meeting with a a I guess you'd call him a mentor of mine who runs a a really substantial um, fashion business that owns a few different well-known brands. And I meet with him sort of quarterly or whatever to get advice and talk to him about what we're doing. And I brought him our catalog and our P&L. And he was like, and then sort of my letter about the business and, you know, what direction we were going and all this stuff from a business perspective. And he sort of looked at both of them for a while. He said, "Who, who put this letter together and like who really makes all the final calls on the catalog. And I was like, well, me, I'm a massive control freak. <laughs> um, and he said, and here's the compliment, he said, I I don't know if I've ever met somebody that can do both of these things. And that was a, it's something I'd never really thought about, that I'm, I'm fortunate that I have experience on both sides of that coin. But I took that as a huge compliment because being the size that we were and still kind of are like we did we couldn't afford to pay somebody to run two massively different sides of the business so i had to kind of bounce back and forth from each of them and had to figure out like how far can i push the budget on the creative side without totally bankrupting us you know on the financial side so 
again, knock on wood, I mean, so far we've we've been able to find that balance of profitability and, you know, pushing the envelope on the creative side. Well, thank you so much, um, TJ and Virginia. Um, for those of you listening, we've been talking to Onward Reserve about specialty retail and creating a, an amazing brand and um, differentiating yourself in a very crowded market. I'll, I want to close by asking you what other than opening up a couple of new stores, is there anything else that's new and exciting that you would love to have our CEO listeners know about? So we're, um, we've entered the, our label has become, um, you know, what we've done a great job of building a brand. Um, yeah. And yeah. so, <laughs> we'll see. so now we're trying to, we're trying to expand the distribution of that brand and we've actually, this is the first year where we've been in wholesale. So we're selling the Honor Reserve label through other independent retailers. Um, and it's been a big... Um, so where can where can pe- listeners find you if they want to? We have about 50 um, independent specialty retailers now that are carrying us. The The larger markets would be, we're at, we're at M. Dumas in Charleston on King Street, which is a, you know, a, they're actually celebrating their 100th year. Uh, this year, but that's a that's an institution in our world. So we're very proud to be partnering with them. We're at St. Bernard Sports uh, mm-hmm. in Dallas. We're in countless independent retailers and in, in small towns like the Boardroom in Augusta and all this kind of stuff. So look around because we're adding new people all the time. And if you've got a store where you like to shop and they don't have us, then ask them for us. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, thank you so much for a wonderful show. Listeners, you've been listening to CEO Exclusive Radio, where you get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. On Thursday, you can check out a blog where we're going to summarize some of the key takeaways from this awesome interview with TJ and Virginia. And I hope you have a prosperous, productive, and very profitable week. Thanks. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.